If you follow along in a hardbound Bible, we're going to be primarily in Joshua chapter 7 this morning. Uh, Follow along in the event. Uh, Again, if you want to come back to our reading plan and you want it all saved, just click the nice little save uh, uh, button there in the event uh, uh, tab. We'll also throw all the scriptures up on the screen as well. Um, uh, This message is challenging. Uh, that's one of our things that we want to promise you, that you will be challenged by God's Word before you, before you leave. But this message is especially challenging. It's challenging to give. It's challenging to receive. And so be in prayer for yourself, your own heart. Be in prayer for my heart as we move along with this. Uh, we're in a series called Good, Good Father. And we're taking a look at the characteristics of God. We're looking at who is God. Uh, and we're taking a look at the story of Joshua uh, and the story of the, 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 the Israelites taking over the promised land. And um, uh, we're, we're, we're seeing the different characteristics of God as good, good father. It's not, it's not a, 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 a series on fatherhood, although if you take the principles of, of God being good, good father and apply them to fatherhood and parenthood, you're going to do well for yourself. But we're taking a look at who God is in terms of father. And last week we saw that the walls came tumbling down in Jericho. Now this week, um, um, uh, Jack opened us up with the whole underdog theme. Uh, Patriots and Chiefs, go Chiefs. I will pat the Chiefs on the back. Go Chiefs. <laughs> anyway, uh, but in one fail swoop, Israel went from the underdog to... It's not overdog. What, what is it? The one that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, the, 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 the one that is going to win. And so Joshua sent spies or scouts uh, to their next city that they were going to, to take over. It was the city of Ai, uh, Ai. And the scouts came back and said, it's a small city, only take 3,000 men. You know, it's kind of like the Patriots saying, we'll play with 10 men per side, you know. Just take 3,000 men. We'll, we'll be all right. It took 3,000 men. 36 of them died. The scripture tells us about 36 of them died. For those of you math majors out there, that's about 1%. Spooked the Israelites, hightailed it out of there. What's going on? What's going on behind the scenes? We're taking a look at discipline this morning. Discipline, a simple definition of discipline is this. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. There's two different types of discipline. There's internal discipline, which we know of as self-discipline, right? Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. But there's also external discipline. We think of this as a parental discipline, that as parents, We instill short-term sacrifice on our kids for their long-term gain. So my kids gave me great sermon material, even this morning. Our third in line um, ticked off during this opening set of worship. I told him, you can be mad. Or you can enjoy worship, just don't distract everybody else. Right? Discipline. 
short-term sacrifice, external discipline. I am imposing this on you. You can be mad, that's fine. Or you can enjoy worship, that's fine. That's the long-term goal, right? But you're not going to distract everybody else imposing the sacrifice. So there's internal and there's external discipline. Going back to Israel. Going back to the defeat at Ai. Joshua 7, verse 1. It's a few scriptures down if you're following in events. It should be the first one. The Israelites, however, it says right on the heels of Jericho, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, sure, Zerah, and the tribe of Judah, took some of what was set apart, and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. That word burned is going to come up several times here. And so here we've got discipline occurring. They weren't able to self-discipline. So God is putting external discipline down on His people. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. What's going on here? All sin, all sin is injustice. Every time we've sinned, it was unjust towards another person or unjust towards another person. If you roll through the Ten Commandments, the first four, unjust towards God. The last six, unjust towards our fellow human beings. What does this matter? Achan took some stuff from some dead people. Who cares? And this goes beyond just because God said so. Maybe you grew up in church and that was the primary reason for following the Ten Commandments because God said. That's the worst reason to follow the Ten Commandments. A preacher just said that. Yes, a preacher just said that. Why? Because God gives us the commandments because sin is injustice. So what's going on behind the scenes? So God said, you're going to set certain things up for destruction because it's just going to wipe out. Certain things are going to go into the treasury of the Lord. Like, okay, so he's stealing from God. Who cares? He's got the cattle on 10,000 hills, right? He's got all the resources in the world. Literally, like, literally, all the resources in the world. He still, who cares that he's stealing from God? Look, I have never started a country. Some people have accused me for starting a soccer team with four boys, but I, I've never started a country. I'm just going out on a limb to say that starting a country will require financial resources. Way out on a limb. God is utilizing the money that they get from each individual town in order to have a treasury that will help his nation get started. So Achan's not stealing from God. He's not stealing from dead people. He's stealing from his own countrymen. Injustice. And his sin caused the death of 36 of his own countrymen. Ask those families if it was unjust for him to steal. Ask those parents of those boys that died 
in war. Ask the wives, ask the children that lost their fathers if it was unjust for him to steal from the treasury. There's more things at play behind our sin than just, I've sinned against God. See, in our individualistic culture, we just think our sin is our sin against God. But it's not. At the heart of sin is injustice. Now, it's easy for us to see when you know, it's you know, child slavery or somebody else's issue. But it's not easy for us to see it when it's our own sin. Also, there's more at play here than just injustice towards his own community. The laws that God set out in Leviticus, you know the parts of the Bible we skip? Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. The laws that God set out were the most merciful laws of the day. It was the Geneva Convention of their day. Actually, a better illustration for this group of people, it was Katniss in Hunger Games. There's war. It's brutal. And everybody else is ruthless, brutal, and will not stop until blood is shed. It's a game of die or kill. And God says, look, war's going to happen. But this is how you're going to be different. This is how you're going to do war that is still merciful and compassionate. This is how you're going to do life that is merciful and compassionate. You're like, no, 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 no. I have read the laws. It's not merciful. They're not merciful. They're not compassionate. Look, we are doing it. We are reading it through the filter of our day and age. Think of the worst medieval time movie, show, etc. How brutal, how unjust, how, how ruthless they were. And then times that by 10, minimum. That's how bad the time was. And God showed up in that context and said, this is how you're going to live your life. Why? Because it is going, you are going to be a light to the nations, to the people that are all looking at you, that you represent me, and, and, and you are going to be a people that will be a light for the nations so that those that decide to have faith will have faith because the laws of my people will be more merciful than anybody else around. And they will say, I believe in your God because you are a light to the nations and that you live life so much different than everybody else. It worked. Let's look in Joshua chapter 8. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before the entire assembly of Israel including the women, the little children, and the foreigners who were with them. When you read the foreigners or the sojourners that were with them, this is not about refugees in 2017. This is about the people who decided, Yahweh is my God now, Israel are my people now, and I am going to be a part of this people. This included Rahab that we looked at last week as an adopted child of God because of their faith. The stakes are huge. 
And now one of the people of God has said, I'm not going to live according to the way that God has told me to. I am going to live according to however everybody else lived. And I am going to take what I think I am entitled to. And now we've got foreigners among them that, that said Yahweh is my God because their laws are different. And now they're looking out and going, one of you isn't different. The stakes are huge, church. People are looking. People are watching. People are expecting us to be the light of God to the world. Are we different? Are we different? Does our faith make us different than everybody else? Look, if you're here and you're struggling with God, this isn't on you. You actually nod your head. You're saying, this is why I have had a problem with God because I look and I see His people and they're no different. The stakes are huge. Are we going to be different? Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to hear and follow? But see, the actual news actually gets worse. Chapter 7, verse 15. Somehow this got in here, or 5, verse 5. Somehow this got in here three times. So take your pick on which one you want to read. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of them and chased them from outside the gate to the quarries, striking them down on the descent. As a result, the people's hearts melted and became like water. Ever felt that, right? Things didn't go the way you expected and you melted. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell before the ark of the Lord with his face to the ground until evening, as did the elders of Israel. They all put dust in their heads. Oh, Lord God, Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. What can I say, Lord, now that the Israelites have turned back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe us out of our name from the earth. Then what will you do about your great name, Lord? Right? It sounds like a heartfelt prayer, right? How does God respond? Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stand up! Why are you on the ground? <laughs> right? that's, that's like, maybe it's because of my sarcastic nature. And you're like, yay God! Right? You ever experienced this from God? What are you whining for? The solution is simple. Israel has sinned. Israel has sinned. The solution is simple. Now, simple is opposite of complex. The solution, the problem is simple. Simple is not the opposite of difficult. Easy is the opposite of difficult. The answer is difficult. They have violated my covenant that I appointed for them. They have taken some of what is set apart. They have stolen, deceived, and put the things with their own belongings. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They will turn their backs and run from their enemies because they have set, been set apart for destruction. I will no longer be with you unless you remove from, from you what is set apart. Go and consecrate the people. A couple of weeks ago, we took a look at the word consecrate. It says, prepare your people. Two weeks ago is prepare your people for, for me doing great and wonderful things. This time it's prepare your people for what's about ready to be thrown down. 
Tell them to consecrate themselves for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are things that are set apart among you, Israel. You will not be able to stand against your enemies until you remove what is set apart. In the morning you must present yourself tribe by tribe. The tribe of the Lord, uh, the tribe the Lord selects is to come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord selects is to come forward by family by family. Family the Lord selects is to come forward man by man. The one who is caught with the things set apart must be burned, along with everything he has, because he has violated the Lord's covenant and commanded an outrage in Israel. Here's the bad news. God demands perfection. When you're like, hold on. Nope, 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 nope. We live in New Testament times now. This is an Old Testament story. Uh, absolutely not. I'm glad you brought that up. Matthew 5.48 you know the words coming out of the person's mouth are here? Jesus. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Go a step further. Most of us have, have grown up in church, been around church for a long time. We've been classically trained in the Romans road for evangelism, right? What's the first two? Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, right? For all have fallen short, sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. It's not an Old Testament problem, folks. It's a New Testament problem as well. It's a people problem. We've all sinned. We're all not perfect. The, 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 the problem is very, very simple. We've sinned. The solution is difficult. The punishment is even worse. Death. Death. I want us to feel the friction. I want us to feel the weight of this. I feel the weight of it myself. This is bad news. For good news to be good, the bad news has to be bad, right? So is there any hope? Because on our own, we're hopeless. Quite frankly, we're hopeless. If we're ever going to stand in the presence of a perfect, holy God, we can't do it on our own. Before we even realize we have to hear and follow God perfectly in order to stand in His presence, we've blown it. So is there any hope? Let's keep reading. Joshua 7.19 So Joshua said to Achan, now, we kind of skipped ahead, but essentially, you know, tribe by tribe, then clan by clan, then family by family, Achan was pointed out. Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to God, the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you, tell me what you have done. Do not hide anything from me. Achan replied to Joshua, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, 200 silver shekels, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. You can see for yourself, they are concealed in the ground inside my tent with the money under my cloak. Right? He dug a hole, 
put the stuff in the hole, filled the hole back up, and slept on it. So Joshua sent messengers who ran to the tent, and there was the cloak concealed in his tent with the money underneath. They took the things from inside the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out in the Lord's presence. Then Joshua and all the Israel with him took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the cloak, and the bar of gold, sons and daughters, his ox, stocking, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? Today the Lord will trouble you. So all Israel stoned them to death. They burned their bodies, threw stones on them, and raised over him a large pile of rocks that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, that place is called the Valley of Accor to this day. Like, Wait a minute. Hold on. There's no hope in this. Achan told him what he did. But the punishment still happened. There's a difference between confession and repentance. There's a difference between confession and repentance. Confession is what Achan did. Okay, I did it. As I was reading over this, I kept asking the question, why? 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 Do you notice something? Notice something here. The key word to this is hidden. Joshua says, tell me what you've hidden. Do not keep anything hidden from me. And then what does Achan say? I have hidden the stuff in the ground in my tent. Why? When we sin, we want to hide, right? But then... Achan came to this whole thing and tribe by tribe and, and, and clan by clan and family by family. Went down and went down and went down and went down and went down and, 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 and then, then Achan standing in front of Joshua. But where is the loot? Still in his tent. Still in the ground in his tent, right? Why? Here's the answer that I came up with. He didn't think it was possible for him to get caught. Don't you think the day before when, when Joshua went over the plan of what's going to happen, tribe by tribe, clan by clan, blah, 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 Achan's sitting there going, there is no way on earth that it's actually going to get to me. Some poor soul is going to get it, but it's not going to be me. Out of the hundreds of thousands of people it can be, there is no way it's going to get down to me. And there he stands in front of Joshua, the loot still hidden. Confession is not repentance. See, we can confess just because we've been caught. Repentance is confession with action. Grace is hidden behind the door of repentance. Repentance is saying, I've blown it. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy. I'm not blameless. I'm not innocent. And I'm tired of the death. I'm tired of the destruction. I'm tired of what I am doing to other people. And Jesus, I see that you are the sacrifice for my sins. You know what's not different from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Sacrifice. In the Old Testament, God said, 
Here's how I know you're repentant. You will bring to me a perfect lamb and you will sacrifice that perfect lamb. And faith says that my sin is on this lamb and somehow, someway, God is going to forgive me through this. It's not just killing a lamb. It's the, it's the, the faith act of saying somehow, someway, God will forgive me through the sacrifice of this lamb. And you know what's not different in the New Testament? There's still a sacrifice of a lamb, but it's a capital L lamb. It's the lamb of God that died on the cross. That said, I will go to the cross with my sin, with your sins on my back, and I will die for you so that you do not have to die. And you know what's not different from the Old Testament to the New Testament? Righteousness is found in the faith of God. The faith that we've blown it, but He has not. The faith that says that on that cross, my death was paid. That the propitiation... The wrath of God was absorbed into Jesus. No, 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 no. Wrath of God's an Old Testament thing. No, read the reading plan this week. I challenge you. You'll find out that the wrath of God's not an Old Testament thing. It's a sin thing. And that God loved us so much that He absorbed His own wrath on the cross. And repentance is what activates what activates the righteousness of God, the grace of God, the, the holiness of God, the blamelessness of God, the innocence of God on our own life. Repentance is what allows us to be adopted as the son or the daughter of the eternal King. There's a difference between judgment and discipline. Judgment is what Achan experienced. Judgment comes when there is a lack of faith because we die in our own sin. Discipline is the short-term sacrifice for the long-term gain. And discipline is what the, 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 the people of God, what Israel experienced in this instance. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. God's long-term gain for our life is life. Just like with my third child, this morning you can experience life by worship. He's just a child. How can he worship? Look, my fourth child figures out how to worship, right? You ever watch him? Interpretive movement up here. It's the Baptist word for dance. Right? Yes, the pastor's son dances in church. And I allow him to do it. God wants our long-term abundant life. You don't believe me? Hebrews 12. If we do not experience the discipline of God, Hebrews 12 says that we are illegitimate children. For a fun word study, go read Hebrews 12 in the King James Version. Old King Jimmy decided that we're going to put the real word in for illegitimate children. What's that? Ask your mother, okay? Or read Old King Jim. When I was a youth minister, this was just so much fun. I'd pick out the kid that always brought the KGV Bible, and when I taught on that Hebrews 12, I would pick that kid out to read that verse, yeah. Because 
you know, the whole reason why they'd bring the kings, they would never say that. Anyway. Hebrews 12 is part of the study guide this week, by the way. But, for they disciplined us. Writer of Hebrews 12, they there is earthly fathers. Disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he, being God, does it for our own benefit so that we can what? Share in his holiness. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Isn't the holiness of God a long-term gain? It gets better. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time. I'm not saying, and God's not saying, go give it to me, God. But painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain, right? Abundant life comes through the righteousness and holiness of God. And we need external discipline from God so that we can learn internal discipline. When I no longer need God's external discipline over this particular sin, that doesn't mean I'm living in my own power. It just means that He has taught me how to have internal discipline around His righteousness and His holiness. I'm no less dependent upon God now. It just means that his discipline has worked. Because guess what? He has his thumb on something else in my life that he's working on, right? Something deeper. Something more painful. So why repentance? If I can find Acts. I think I put it in here. You have that Acts verse there? Therefore, Repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. The seasons of refreshing, I call this God's nesty plunge, may come from the presence of the Lord that He may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Have you experienced the times of refreshing that have come because of repentance? Have you experienced the refreshment of God? Because of repentance. I invite you to experience. Take God's nesty plunge. Those of you that don't have any idea what I'm talking about, I'm sure the commercials are on YouTube, okay? Experience the refreshment that comes from repentance. And those of you that have, God's always got His thumb on something, right? Look, see, grace says that repentance is a heart set, not a one-time deal. It's an attitude of our heart. We will never outgrow repentance. Never. But Jesus sacrificed Himself once and for all so that we will always be able to come to the cross and He will always woo us back to the cross. To experience His grace, experience His forgiveness, and experience His righteousness. As we reflect, as we worship, if you would like to experience the refreshment we're talking about, I invite you to repent. 
I invite you to commit your life to Jesus and say, I want something completely different. As God has His thumb on specific areas of your life, pray through that. Repent. Times of refreshing will come upon you. As we do that, worship the One who died on the cross so that we can experience His forgiveness, His grace, His holiness. Let's pray. Thank you, Father Lord, I thank You for this morning and this time. It's just challenging. I hope at the end of the day that through the bad news, we see that your good news is better than we ever thought that it was that it was help us give us this morning this time of refreshing because we've rested in your forgiveness and your grace what we've what I've fallen short in describing to you, overcome through your Holy Spirit in our life. We thank you. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.